I was all but done with No More Mr. Nice Guy. I, I couldn't get finished. And I had to go back into therapy and I started working on why can't I finish this book? It's all but done. And what I came to realize is mainly I was afraid of nobody caring. That I'd worked on this for seven years, got it published, and nobody cared. Welcome to the book I had to write. This is the podcast where I talk to authors about their most compelling stories and why these journeys matter to anyone who wants to publish. I'm Paul Zakshevsky. I'm a writer and book coach. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Robert Glover. Robert is best known as a men's coach and dating guru. He's a former therapist who leads workshops and retreats, and he's a sought-after speaker around the world. All of that springs from his 2003 book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, A Proven Plan for Getting What You Want in Love, Sex, and Life. I first came across Robert and his work back in 2016. That's when I was on a journey to change some of my own relationship patterns. Robert has some great advice for those guys who tend to lose themselves in primary relationships. Instead, he counsels guys to create what he calls a great cake of a life. He says, pursue your passions, spend time with guys doing guy things, lean into challenge, exercise strenuously, and find some kind of spiritual practice. Robert's book has over 6,000 reviews on Amazon, and he's a great example of how a book can help you further your reach as an authority. As you'll hear, several years ago, he used the platform of his book to create products and services. This allowed him to work remotely years before the pandemic. In addition to No More Mr. Nice Guy, Robert is also the author of a new book, Dating Essentials for Men. Well, welcome, Robert. Thank you so much for uh, participating in the show. You're welcome. It's good to be here. So to start off, tell me, what's wrong with being a nice guy? <laughs> what's wrong with being a nice guy? Well, you know, I happen to have written a book about that. Um, you know, the problem with being a nice guy, and this applies to, to women as well, nice guys and nice girls, is that they internalize emotionally at a very young age, there's something wrong with me. I'm not okay just as I am. Now, many children do that, and then we develop some kind of survival defense mechanism, mechanisms to try to get value and try to get our needs met and try to not get abandoned. That's We all do that at some level, whether we know it or not. And for the nice guy, because he doesn't believe he's okay just as he is or she, they believe I have to become what I think other people want me to be, and I have to hide anything from them that I think might get a negative reaction. So the, the really the biggest problem with nice guys is, is that they're, they're not themselves. They're, they're, they're chameleons. And, and related to that is they're not particularly honest because, and they don't know that. They usually pride themselves. I'm a good guy. I do everything right. But if you're kind of always licking your finger to hold it up to see which way the wind's blowing before you interact with somebody, say anything, uh, engage, you know, you're, you're, you're not you and you're not being honest. You're trying to figure out what do they want to hear me say? What's going to get a negative reaction if I do or say that? And so that's, that's the core basic problem. And then other tentacles expand out from there in terms of the problems the nice guys have and the problems that people trying to relate to nice guys have. You have a great title for your book. 
Um, as you know, authors often struggle with coming up with great titles. I'm wondering when the book came out, did you get pushback against the title or, or in subsequently in subsequent years, have people pushed back with this title? No, believe it or not, um, I, I, I think actually the book initially disappointed my publisher just a little bit because I think they were hoping for that kind of pushback that people would go, why, why, why is somebody writing a book teaching men to be not nice? There's already enough not nice men out there. And um, the beauty of the title, and it's kind of, to me, it's kind of interesting, is that um, when I first connected with my agent, who's been my agent now for over 20 years, um, he said, I think we should change the title. And I told him up front, non-negotiable. You know, it, it's, it's just got that iconic ring. Everybody sometime in their life has said, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm changing my ways. I'm drawing a line. We've all done that. But also at the same time, like I said, there's that other side of it. Well, why would somebody write a book teaching men to, to be not nice? And my agent said, okay, all right. You know, he, he's, he's, he's not a nice guy. He told me that up front, but he said, <laughs> I, 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 I will acquiesce to, you know, it's non-negotiable. And it's funny because probably about four years ago, um, I dropped by his house in New York city to pick up a check. Cause I was there to, to reread the audible version of no more Mr. Nice guy. Cause originally the publisher picked somebody else. And after a while I said, you know, I want to change it. And, um, so the same publisher came back and said, all right, we want you to read it. We want to keep you. We're going to give you a $75,000 advance to keep you. And we're going to give you $5,000 to come to New York and record it. And I thought, that's good stuff. I just wanted to that's have awesome. it redone. <laughs> so I go to pick up the check at my agent's house. And he said, you know, you know, that was just such a brilliant title, you know, to call it No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I, I didn't remind him, you know, oh, you wanted to talk me out of it. I've heard you describe yourself uh, or what you do as kind of anti-pickup. Can you say more about what you mean by that? Yeah, um, I, I'm not a fan of, of, you know, for those in the dating world, a pickup. Of, can, can you say what pickup is? Well, I, I can give you my version of it. Is is basically men who've learned how to walk up to women, start conversations and get phone numbers from them, teaching other men how to do the same. And there's a real, there's a real immature emphasis in pickup. And, and it's usually about you're going to do something, you know, that, that has a basis in psychology or evolutionary biology that you're going to trigger a woman. Like you're going to say negative things about her so that she'll want to try to get your approval or you'll, you'll peacock, you'll, you'll wear some really crazy thing to get her attention and make her want to talk. Or you'll walk up and ask her a poll question, who lies more men or women? And it's a bunch of canned routines. And there, there's, more than a couple of problems with pickup. And, and again, it's not so much that I'm against it or think it's terrible, but I think it preys into insecures men's, oh, I, there's this magic bullet out there. There's this thing I can do that will make women magically want to be with me. And, and maybe the man has no social skills, maybe you know, social anxiety, maybe, maybe he never talks to anybody, but he thinks somehow that's going to get women to instantly like him. But there's an emphasis in the pickup community on the hot women. You know, it, this is it's always about targeting the most attractive women. And, and so I, I tell men, I think walking across a room and talking to a woman just because she's hot is probably the worst possible reason to talk to a woman. You know, I, I'd rather know, is, is she intelligent? Is she got a sense of humor? Um, is, is she funny? Is she generous? Is she kind? I'd rather know those things. Now, the other part of this that I'm not a fan of is I think it's invasive. I think to just walk up, I mean, I'm, I've got a client, I'm just talking to him yesterday. And um, 
he was talking about his frustration of, of practicing pickup. And um, he, he's well-educated, uh, has lots of money. And he said, I, you know, the women here in this town are rude. I, 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 you know, I broke a set last night of three women and I said, Hey, you know, can I take a picture of you? And they basically told me to get lost. And I said, I would have told you the same. You were being invasive. And well, they're rude. They, you know, should have more manners. I said, they didn't invite you over. They, they, they didn't say, Hey, come join us. You interrupted them. And what I tell men, you know, we're getting kind of way off on this thing, but you know, most women do not feel safe walking the planet. I, I think hashtag me too movement is evidence of most women. Many women have been done to in not very kind or loving ways. And, and so when a man just walks up to a woman out of the blue, and if she's attractive enough that that happens to her a lot, she doesn't know what this guy's approaching her for. Is, is he a weirdo? Is he a Ted Bundy? Is, is he a serial killer? Is he, uh, you know, a wussy nice guy that's just going to talk her leg off for an hour? Is he, you know, you know, they don't know. They have no frigging clue what the intention is. And so, of course, they're going to put their guard up. I want to ask you about a couple other principles that you often talk about. You have a podcast that I uh, liked a lot about fear of success. Why do nice guys struggle with fear of success? What's, what is that? And what's that about? Okay. Here's the deal. I got divorced in my late forties, um, back around 2002. And I hadn't dated since college. I wasn't very good at back then. So I, I decided I wanted to learn how to date more effectively. And, and so I, I read some books, I read pickup stuff and I thought, I don't like this. So I, I, again, I just worked at becoming a social animal and, and I got good enough at really connecting with people, getting dates, having sex that a lot of my clients said, Robert, teach us what you're doing. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not a dating guru. I'm not a dating coach, but I started sharing with them the principles that, that, that I was applying. And I noticed that, you know, a lot of guys that would take my class or come to a seminar with me had a lot of success to applying what I taught. And some guys just never would. And, and, and I, they, I was curious, why, why aren't they having success? And come to find out, um, they weren't doing any of the stuff that I encouraged them to do. And so I started asking them, why not? And they said, because I know it will work. I'm going, that doesn't make sense to me. You paid money to come take a workshop with me to find out how to talk to women and get a girlfriend and you know, expand your, your love life. And, um, and now you don't do any of it. So what I started doing is paying attention to what are people's fears about, you know, the success they think they want. So in terms of just relationships, just kind of focusing on single guys in this case, um, what was their fear of success? If they actually talked to a woman and were successful in her engaging with him and maybe giving him a phone number and going out with him and maybe later having sex with him or becoming his girlfriend. I started asking in my workshops, guys, what, what is your fear of everything that can go wrong if you actually talk to a woman? So the, the real piece about that fear of success is that if there's a possibility of everything you fear actually happening to you, if you achieve the success you, you, know, you think you want, there's actually good reason to not do the things that would lead to you being successful if there's a high likelihood of the things you fear actually happening. So from that point, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, can I either handle the things I'm afraid of and or can I develop skill sets or uh, bring in resources to help me deal with the new challenges? 
So could I get a coach? Could I get a therapist? Could I, I, could I get a wingman? Could I, I get, you know, a posse of people to help me with this? Uh, I love talking with people about how do you finish your book all the way from how do you start writing it? How do you get it out of the drawer and, you know, actually do something with it. And, and a lot of people get stuck right before they're done. I did. I was all but done with no more Mr. Nice guy. And, and I, I couldn't get finished. And I had, I had to go back into therapy and, and I started working on why can't I finish this book? It's all but done. And what I came to realize is I was afraid of being attacked. I was afraid of it not being good enough. Mainly, I was afraid of nobody caring. That I'd worked on this for seven years, got it published, and nobody cared. I, I, that, that scared me. And what I, what I worked with with my therapist at that time was I started writing. I didn't start to write a book. I just started writing some just chapters, or I call them blog articles now, to give to the guys in my group that were working on Nice Guys. Whatever, you know, whatever I came up with, every Wednesday I sat down and wrote. And so I just said, my, my main intention was to just to be able to give information to my clients. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that. I don't have to publish a book. I just have to finish this so I can give it to my clients to read. And that took a lot of the pressure off. And, and, and let me kind of work through whatever fears are on the other side of getting it published. And I got it finished. So you were just starting to tell me about how the book came together and the, the evolution of it. And I understand it first started out as an ebook. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, what happened with is that, um, you know, we got it finished and um, Barnes and Noble at that time was just venturing into to publishing in general and was starting with ebooks. But Barnes and Noble was, was hesitant to print it, to publish it as a print book. I'm not really sure why. Um, but what happened is that I just kept hustling. I kept, you know, uh, contacting, I lived in Seattle, local newspapers, radio stations, anybody that, you know, you know, would, would have me, you know, come on and talk or give an interview to. And two, at that time, there were two local Seattle newspapers, uh, Seattle PI and the Seattle Times, and they both had sent writers out to interview me and take some pictures and then nothing ever happened that's kind of the way the media works is hurry up and then wait um i've had that just over and over again we need to interview you in the next two hours you know that you get an email can you respond in an hour to this question our editor needs this information uh and then i respond and then the article doesn't run for three months you know something like that right so in one week both local papers ran like full page on living, you know, the living section articles about me. They were very different articles because they're written by two in the set. The, the two papers didn't know that was happening. Um, they were independently owned. And then, you know, so both ran and the national media picked up on that. Um, 2020 sent a camera crew out to, to shoot a seminar with me, but then decided the Iraq war began right after, you know, right about that uh. time. So that, that never <laughs> ran. Um, right several uh, national news places interviewed me. Bill O'Reilly interviewed me. I'd never heard of Bill O'Reilly before that. Um, uh, Rush Limbaugh talked about, I mean, uh, just, just, it, it blew up. 
And uh, after I got done doing the interview with Bill O'Reilly, it was like the first big interview I'd ever done. The whole interview was like, he's going like, why did my, why did my producer set me up to interview this guy? It's like, he had no, no advance warning of what it was about. And, and, and he really, he, he went after me on a couple of things and I handled <laughs> it, you know, I, you know, being my first interview ever, you know, I was drenched with sweat when it got done, but, but I handled it. And uh, the next day I got a call from my agent and said, Barnes and Noble wants to give you a contract. And so they gave me the print contract and it came out in 2003. And uh, as I said, it continued to do well and, and sales keep climbing every year. This is a great example of getting a platform. So you've got a lot of heat on, you had the book, the project was ready to go, and then you got a lot of attention and you were able to transition then to a traditional publisher. Yeah. And, and, you know, publishing, I, I kind of came along, I think at the cusp of traditional publishing, maybe the, the, the beginning of the decline of traditional publishing, uh, Amazon, you know, has gone a long way to, to changing how, how books get done. Um, printing books, uh, actually not a very good business model the way it's typically done, but you know, when, like, like when my agent was shopping, uh, to, to, um, a lot of editors at big, big houses said, Robert, we like your book. It's well-written, but our marketing department says men won't buy a self-help book. So, you know, they, they, you know, there was that. Um, you know, they, they just, they just want, mainly they want to give contracts to people that everybody's already heard of, you know, right. You have to have the Bill Clintons, you know, and, and so it helps to have that big thing. And because nowadays, um, print publishers, not, not only if you, if you get a print contract with them, they also want the, the audible and the ebook because I make more money on ebook and audible than, than print uh, a lot more. And so the print publishers now want to hold on to all of that because that's the only way they get, they get an income stream. Um, but nowadays they won't promote you. You've got to come and prove to them. You know, I, 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 when I, my agent sent dating essentials for men to my publisher, they wanted to see anything else that I wrote. Um, and you know, they already knew that my book had made them hundreds of thousands of dollars, no more Mr. Nice Guy, but they wanted, uh, they wanted me to show them that I had a platform that, you know, that I could sell books. And I'm thinking, where are their heads? You know, I've made them a bunch of money and they're wanting me to write up this big thing of my platform. I got thought, no wonder they're losing money. I mean, one of the things that is really remarkable about your book is that it's been around a long time. I was just looking on Amazon. It's got over 6,000 reviews. It has what used to be called this long tail it's amazing. You know, books usually like they explode and then they really trickle off. So yeah. what do you, what do you ascribe that success to? Uh, probably at least two things. One is that um, it hit a nerve and came along at a time that there was a, a major, you know, transition happening culturally uh, in terms of just, you know, the, the, the evolution of men, women, gender roles, gender expectations. And so my book was really the first thing out there that really addressed this whole nice guy thing in a, in a pretty significant way. And um, nowadays, you, you know, you, you can Google nice guy, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And, you know, there's hundreds of articles and blogs that people have written and, and many of them wave at me, at, you know, of, of what I wrote. And um, 
I think that the whole nice guy thing has continued to expand in the last 20 years. I think there's this new generations of, of boys who, um, you know, are just thinking that, you know, if I'm a good guy and treat everybody well and, and uh, I'm nice to girls, the, you know, they'll like me and life will work well. And so I think because there's more and more nice guys out there and because, Amazon has, you know, spread the reach of, of you know, when, when the publishers, publishers said men don't buy self-help books, they do, especially on Amazon, because they'll, they'll see, they'll see a book, they'll, they'll read a blog, they can click it in a blog, it takes them to Amazon, and then it's, Amazon says, people who bought this book also bought this book, this book, and this book, and so they buy them all, men do that, so, so that model that men won't buy a self-help book was totally wrong, and, uh, and by the way, one of the things I do is whenever I buy somebody else's book that's anywhere related to mine, I buy another copy of my book at the same time in the same shopping cart so that it says when people bought that book, they bought No More Mr. Nice Guy too. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think that might help. Were there any unexpected results that happened um, after the book came out? You know, the, the biggest change in my life was that um, I was married when I wrote the book. And after I actually got the book contract, before it actually came out, I separated from my then wife, who I've been married to for 14 years. And um, so while I was in the process of, of my book coming out, I was also in the process of, you know, becoming a divorced and then single guy. That's probably been the biggest change in my life was, you know, uh, learning to, to uh, be single, to live alone, to be on my own, to break a lot of my codependent patterns that I write about in No More Mr. Nice Guy. And so, but in terms of what the book has done, it, um, you know, the, the royalty checks are nice. You know, uh, I can live anywhere in the world. I live in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Uh, I, I still how long a have, lot. How long have you been in Puerto Vallarta? I've been visiting here for about 20 years and living here at least part of the year for 11 or 12 years. I bought a home here five years ago. I'm now married to a Mexican woman. And so this is home. And it's funny, my mother's down here visiting and I get to visit her quite a bit in Seattle. She's 86. And like I said, I'm 66. And a lot of guys are retired by my age. And my mother made a comment there that he said, you work a lot. And I go, yeah, I like what I do. I, I, I like my work. I'm still writing. I want to write. Uh, I made a commitment about three years ago to write 10 books in 10 years. I've, I've got two I've done. I've, I'm, I'm about three quarters through another one. And I like writing. I, I like doing stuff like this. I, I, I teach online classes. I got a workshop here in my home this weekend. And um, I actually want to so ask you about that. Yeah. I so, mean, so I guess of, maybe the biggest change is it's given me freedom to do exactly what I want to do in my life and, and, and to do what I love. So that, that's been a blessing. Tell me more about that. So for listeners who may not know about your platform, you, as you mentioned, you teach workshops, you've got online courses. Tell me more about your offerings. Well, primarily I work with men. I, I, my, my training is uh, uh, in marriage and family therapy. I had a PhD in marriage and family therapy at 29. And for about 20 to 25 years, that was, you know, how I made my living. Now, when the book came out, even before it came out, I'd really started honing in on men, especially working with them in groups. And so really since the No More Mr. Nice Guy came out, my, my business has been almost all for men. Now, I, like I said, I discovered 
Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, about 20 plus years ago. And um, living in rainy Seattle, it was just, oh, you know, the sun shines there a lot. And um, I, I thought, I, I, want to, I want to get there as much as I can. And at that time, internet was, was getting better in many places of the world. Skype, you know, was out there. It was long before GoToMeeting or Zoom. But so I, I could start communicating with people that weren't sitting in my office. Um, and, and in a way, I really became a, an online entrepreneur. I became a, an online marketer and a digital nomad before those terms ever came along. And, and for a therapist to do that, that was really bizarre. But having written the book really helped that. And so, um, you know, I started creating online classes. Uh, I, I, I was doing a lot of workshops and seminars after the book came out, maybe once a month, I'd be traveling somewhere. And, and much as I like travel, that did get tiring and, and um, wasn't always lucrative. But I, I started teaching these online classes. And I realized, well, I, I, I can do this while I watch a baseball game on TV. And, and you know, people can't come pay to do it online because, the, you know, by then the internet was becoming strong enough. People were trusting it. So I continue to do that. In fact, right now I'm in the process of converting all of my online courses to video. And uh, that's been a really fun process. It's challenged me to grow more because I'm a writer, you know, I want to write stuff. So now I'm doing stuff on video and, and it's been highly popular to make that transition to creating the video lessons. Um, so that's been fun and exciting. And uh, I just finished two six-week virtual workshops that we met uh, once a week for three hours. I have an in-person workshop covering pretty much the same material here in my home this weekend. Um, what's, and what's that workshop called for people who might be interested in that information? I just call it a TPI, Total Personal Integration Workshop, is, is for men. And so basically, Friday night, we'll get here, spend three hours, and I'll ask the guys, why are you here? You know, why'd you plunk down the money and travel to Puerto Vallarta to do this work? So I'll find out what's going on with them. I'll make notes. And then Saturday and Sunday, we'll just dive into those things, the things that, you know, and, and it, it's usually similar issues as guys struggling in a relationship, either trying to meet somebody or the relationship they're in isn't going well, or they're just going through a divorce, um, work and career. You know, we'll talk about their struggles with success, uh, learning to set boundaries, learning to make their needs a priority, learning to ask what they want, learning to connect with men. A lot of men nowadays don't have tribe. And, and I really see really a worldwide movement of men seeking tribe, whether like, you know, going to martial arts programs or church Bible studies or pickup, you know, uh, seminars or uh, mankind project or 12 step programs, men are seeking to connect with other men. So I, 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 I emphasize that a lot while the guys are here and really do things to help them create a deep connection with each other and continue that after the workshop. And it's limited to eight guys. So it's a small group, kind of like group therapy. And um, we'll just go into anything and everything that these guys want to dive into. Tell me how dating essentials for men, how did that grow out of the work that you're doing? Well, really, as I said, when I got divorced in my late 40s, uh, hadn't dated since college. I had no idea, you know, how, how do you even do this? And so I did, you know, a lot of my clients would give me videos and books and I read Neil Strauss's The Game. And, and, and again, I, I wasn't turned on by the pickup, um, but I thought, but I do want to learn how to interact with people and, and how to ask a woman for her phone number and, and, you know, how to engage in ways that, that, you know, increase the likelihood of success. And, um, and I just, I just went out. I just, like I said, worked at being a social animal. If, if I could do any work on my computer 
in a public place, I would. I'd go to Starbucks. I, I when, I, when I, you know, being single, I'd go eat in a nice restaurant and I would sit in the bar. I'd get to know bartenders. I'd talk to whoever's on my right and left. None of it was like, I'm going to, oh, there's a hot woman. I'm picking. I just would talk and engage. And, and as I did that, really interesting things kept happening. I kept meeting interesting people, interesting opportunities arose. I got invited to engage. Just, I, I started having this really interesting life that was really full in many ways. And as I said, some of my clients said, Robert, what are you doing? So I put together a weekend workshop and thought, well, I, I'll turn this into an online class. So I wrote uh, 16 lessons for a 16 week online class and um, taught that for 10 or 12 years. From doing that, I, I, I created these uh, Q&A um, podcasts. Guys would ask me questions, so I'd create podcasts. I now turn around and can sell those, monetize those podcasts that I answering their questions. And uh, basically, the, those lessons later then turned into uh, the core of the book, Dating Essentials for Men. So if people want to find you or No More Mr. Nice Guy or Dating Essentials for Men, where do you send them? Um, easy enough, drglover.com, just D-R-G-L-O-V-E-R.com. Uh, if they Google No More Mr. Nice Guy, it comes up like the top 10 spot. It beats out Alice Cooper. They Google Robert Glover. I, <laughs> I, it, you know, it, it gets all the top spots. So drglover.com has everything that I do. Um, and that, that's the best way to just you know, find out what I've got. Robert, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been really enjoyable talking with you today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been fun. And uh, I, I hope people uh, get benefit, not only just in terms of, you know, the content I've written about, but I hope it's beneficial for people, you know, writing their own books and getting them published. And, and, and like I said, uh, and, and putting the hustle into it that it takes to actually uh, spread the word about it. You've been listening to the book I had to write. I'm Paul Zakshavsky. My guest today was Dr. Robert Glover. If you enjoyed the show, then I hope you'll subscribe in Apple Podcasts. I'm always grateful for reviews and for sharing the show with friends. To get a transcript of this and every episode delivered to your inbox, sign up at thebookihadtowrite.com forward slash subscribe. In addition to transcripts, I'll send you information about upcoming episodes, plus special offers available only to email subscribers. If you're working on your own book you have to write, or you want to get started, maybe I can help. Find out more about me and my book coaching at thebookihadtowrite.com forward slash coaching. That's thebookihadtowrite.com forward slash coaching. And thanks for listening. Thank you.